You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Welcome back after our Labor Day weekend. I hope that you stayed cool, whatever you're doing, and uh, found a way to, to stay cool if that's possible. Maybe you just stayed inside. Did you go anywhere? Did you do anything? I don't know. They had $3 movie day. Did you know that on Saturday? Uh, and uh, most of those sold out uh, pretty quickly. And uh, we went and saw a movie we'd already seen with the family, but uh, stayed out of the heat. Anyway, I hope that you're doing well. The The heat is still on in Southern California. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll also talk about today the idea of not in my backyard. Are there things that you support politically, but you will not support it if it happens in your neighborhood? And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. And, you know, some of these issues are, are important for us to, to talk about. Let me ask you this question. When you ask the question to somebody about whether they support or not support something, do you ask just a surfacey question or do you try to get into the details of it? I think that it's important in our conversations and as, and as Christians that we get into some more details, right? When we ask people if they're a Christian, for example, the majority of people of Americans say yes. But when you get into the nitty-gritty nitty details of it, well, not everybody even who says they're a Christian even knows what that is. Maybe you were baptized as a baby and you've never really been to church, but you still consider yourself a Christian for that reason. Maybe you um, just think of yourself as a Christian because you're in the United States. In many countries of the world, you're considered whatever faith that that uh, government puts on you. And um, maybe that's why you think you're that part of religion. Maybe it's not even necessarily Christianity. There's lots of people in Iran, for example, who would be Muslims, according to the government. It would be your only choice, but uh, maybe you don't even know what that means and because uh, you never really paid that much attention. I've been thinking about this because we're coming to a, a time where there's a lot of polling data out about different things in the elections, and you really have to look at this information carefully there's 62 days until Election Day, but only 24 days until October 10th when ballots in California are mailed out. So actually, the election's only uh, three and a half weeks away. Did you know that? Three and a half weeks away. The, it, I find it interesting that, that politicians and people in this business, the political business, are barely catching on to the fact that Election Day is not 62 days away. It's 24 days away. That if you're going to have if you're going to have debates, if you're going to have forums or different things on the subjects, you have to realize that after October 10th, people, the number of available votes starts to go down significantly. And, you know, if you're having a uh, a political debate between different candidates and different levels of government at the end of October, I don't know if that does any good anymore because the election might already be half over. Who are you trying to convince? How many people in, in our state anywhere, anyway, where more than half, I think, of the votes are going to be done by mail? Um, it's a, it's an interesting, an interesting problem that we no longer have election day. Really. We have election month. I don't, I don't really like that. I like the idea of doing things different for elections. I wouldn't be opposed to having moving election day, which I think would take a constitutional amendment, but to move it from Tuesday to Saturday, or maybe give it a weekend, Saturday and Sunday, give people a couple of days to go out there and vote. I think that might make some sense. But uh, instead, what we're doing is we're giving them over a month. And uh, that seems like an awful long time. Well, on our program, we're going to have, is it a program or a show? I keep mentioning this. One time, my, my staff at my church mocked me for saying I had a radio program. 
and they said program is for old guys show is for young people is that true i don't i don't know <laughs> it's a program right isn't it a program 888-528-2557 is the number this is southern california live i'm scott furrow your host of the Southern California Live program or show or whatever it is you want to uh, call all of this hoopla that we do every single weekday from 3 to 5 right here on this station. Hot days, cold. We're supposed to have some rain, I think, next week. I think that is uh, pretty exciting this weekend, right? Maybe it's going to be hot and humid and we're going to feel like it's Florida all of a sudden, but uh, we need it. Uh, we'll talk about water a little bit later. Um, here's a poll that uh, that was done, and I was curious about this poll. It came out by the YouGov Cato um, Institute, and it was about whether or not Americans support the Biden administration's debt cancellation program or show. That probably is a show, actually, come to think of it. Um, isn't that, That's part of the problem that we have in our country right now is everybody thinks Washington is a show, but it's for real. It's uh, not a show. The Cato 2022 Student Debt Cancellation National Survey, that's a long name for a poll, Um, said this, 64% of Americans support the federal government for giving up to $10,000 in federal student loans. And if you just read that, and I I read that and I thought, well, that's, we we don't get it then, do we? 64% support the federal government for giving up to $10,000 in student loans. We talked about that on this show. And uh, see, there I said show. It's a show. Um, We talked about that because... My my view, other than I, it's you're not you're not just forgiving it. It doesn't disappear. Somebody pays for it, and we talked about that in the context that there's always somebody who pays. When it comes to our salvation, your salvation is free to you, but it's not free to God. He gave His one and only Son. Jesus paid with His life and suffered and died on your behalf. There was great cost for your salvation, even though for you it's a gift. Um, for people who are going to have ten or twenty thousand dollars, depending on your situation, canceled from your student loan, it's a gift. Except for the fact that some people, including uh, Jason Furman, President Obama's financial guy, said that uh, the bill will probably raise inflation to the amount of two hundred dollars a month for the average family, which is probably what your payment is at that ten thousand dollars. So at the end of the day, you're not saving any money. So you you pay a little less, probably save some interest over time, except that that $200 in in inflation is never going away. rest of your life, you're going to pay that. And so I I get frustrated with the idea that something can just be free uh, in all sorts of ways. It worries me. That's a big thing that worries me about where our country is, that if we're in a place where we can just give money out, whether it seems like that's the right thing to do or not. If we think it's free, if we think that the bonus money we got during the COVID, and you got a lot of money from the government during the COVID, you're going to get next month, you're going to get $1,000, up to $1,000 from Governor Newsom. Did you know that if you live in California? And uh, what are you going to do with it? You know what you should do is you should save it because inflation will go up. Uh, Most economists seem to say. The California one I feel is a little bit different because it's more like a tax refund since we we seem to have a surplus. Uh, maybe they ought to keep it and uh, make our water supply a little bit better but and, and pay off some long-term things that are going to hit our state. But here is the thing. Basically, what this poll says, when you get into the nitty-gritty of it, 64% of Americans support the federal government giving up, uh, ten, giving away, uh, erasing $10,000 of federal student loans. But when you get into it, 
it turns out that if there's a cost to it to you, if taxes will go up, if inflation goes up, if the more wealthy people benefit from it, if um, there, if college tuitions go up, then suddenly nobody's for it. As soon as there's a cost, then nobody's for this program. And there is a cost. I guess that's something that I feel like people need to understand. There is always a cost. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Over the last something like 30, 40 years, a study came out in uh, the Times a couple days ago that said that teachers were making an average of $26 more than they were 30 years ago or something. That's because with all of the increases and all of the uh, different things going on, inflation just keeps coming up. And probably for a lot of us, I think that the, um, the wage rate went up something like 4.5%, but since inflation is up 8%, it's wiping it out. And you're not really making more money as far as real buying power. I think people miss that. I think that's an important thing for us as, as just as, as believers for sure, because we want to have, I think, a deeper understanding because we talk about this stuff. The things that we talk about that are about the politics or policies, the way we talk about it matters because our greater goal, our greater purpose, much greater purpose, infinitely bigger purpose is to represent Christ in all that we do. As citizens, we're going to talk about these things. As citizens, I think we need to understand. We need to be for better policies. I, I would like us to be talking about up versus down more than left versus right. What works and doesn't work, let's do the things that actually work. I feel like that's where the unity is in our, our country. And I think for Christians as citizens, that, that's something that, especially when we're considering people who are poor, people who have uh, different challenges, all these kinds of things, we should be supportive of things that actually work to help people. You're listening to Southern California Live. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Here's what that that study pointed out. So 64%, this might be the headline. If you're the Biden administration, you would say 64% of Americans support what we're doing. But if you get down into the details, uh, 68% are against it if it primarily affects higher income people. 76% are against it if it increases college tuition or fees. Most people think, seem to think that it's going to do that. All of those things. Um, what's very interesting to me is that there is 64% support for this if um, there's no drawback, if there is no give and take. If there's no trade-off, that's, what, that's the language that the poll used. If there's no trade-off, well, yeah, 64% say you should go ahead and cancel student loans. 88% of people said yes who are currently repaying student loans. <laughs> there's, that means there's 12%. There's 12% of people who are currently repaying student loans who are like, nah, don't give me any money. I mean, maybe those people are the people who have thought about the fact that there is a trade-off. But that question alone, 88% of people currently repaying, but 62% who already repaid them. I'm one of those people. 62% say, yeah, go ahead, pay it off. 59% of people who never had a student loan feel like that's okay to pay it off until they find out that they're paying off everybody's student loans, then they don't like it. In fact, uh, 88% of of Democrats were in support, 37% of Republicans in support, 58% of independents. But now when you start putting the trade-offs in there, it drops. 
it drops significantly. If it primarily benefits higher income people, which is what people say, it's, it's limited to individuals making 125000 or households making 250000 So, And those are the people who can qualify for all of this. But the interesting thing is that a lot of those people are people who got their college degree, who might have been struggling at the time they got those loans, but are much more likely to do better now. And it changes dramatically. Forgiving $10,000 um, if it raised your taxes. This is the only area where it didn't flip. This is the, where it did flip in everywhere except for one category. Democrats, if you're a Democrat, 56% of Democrats were still in favor of canceling student loan $10,000. Uh, and you, were, you said, well, go ahead and raise my taxes for that, 56%. Every other category whether it encourages people to pay more in tuition and fees or it creates um, if employers were to require college degrees even more so, whether or not it was likely to uh, do the job. Are, are employers going to require a college degree now to work at uh, McDonald's because they're going to pay 22 bucks an hour or something like that? That's another story. We'll get into that maybe later this week. Um, but the uh, California Governor Newsom on Labor Day signed a bill saying that Uh, There's a state commission that will be able to determine wages for fast food companies. And people say, well, that seems like a good idea. We should pay people more. Well, I get that, but should we pay people more if that means that McDonald's is going to hire a robot to make the Big Mac? Should we pay people more if uh, it means that the people who need those jobs, whether they're you know, in college or whether they just need a part-time job or, or whatever it is, they're not going to have those jobs anymore. seems to me that at 22 bucks an hour, um, we're going to have robots doing our, uh, our food. They've, they've already have that. There's already a fast food, I think Carl's Jr. or somebody is testing it out, where there's basically a restaurant that does all the menu items and there's only two employees. One is the mechanic for the machinery and then somebody else is there, I don't know, to you know, make sure that uh, things keep running in another way, you know, administration or something. Uh, that's coming. See, and that's a, that's a big problem. When you get into the nitty-gritty of details, you start to find out more. When you get into the abortion argument, for example, the abortion argument that we're hearing a lot about today is that the vast majority of Americans support abortion. That's true. If you just ask the question, um, is do you support uh, abortion being legal, and that's what it says. But it changes dramatically if you drill down a little bit and ask people. Uh, Pew found that the sizable majority, Pew Research, a lot of your studies come from there, sizable majorities of Americans, this is from June, June study, said abortion should be legal if a woman's health is at stake, 73%, or if the pregnancy was a result of rape or incest, 69%. Just over half, 54%, said it should be legal if the baby was likely to be born with severe disabilities or health. But after that, um, when you start to get into how long a person can be pregnant before it's illegal, it changes. First trimester, you have support for it, a majority. But by 24 weeks into pregnancy... Only 29% said it should be generally legal, while 42% said it should be generally illegal. See, it changes based on how you ask the question. There's there's a lot of nuance to what people think. I feel like we're we're missing the nuance with a lot of different things that we do, including 
in our faith. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. Kathy in Placentia, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Hi, Kathy. Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Hi there. Okay. Um, I was just listening to you talk about the student loans, and I am older. I'm going to be 61 next week, and I went back to school a few years ago after my fourth child um, graduated from high school, and it kind of took me a while, and um, I'm currently paying loans, and I don't think that people should be able to get out of paying their loans. So I'm, I guess I'm in the 12%, even if I didn't vote. Maybe I'm a 13%. I just, I don't know anyone that could loan you money for interest-free for the last two years that my loans have been in forbearance. Mm-hmm. I paid every month a little bit at a time. And they keep extending that forbearance by about six months. So I've had interest-free for the last over two years. And I just don't agree with forgiving that debt. When you went to get your student loans, yeah, when you went to get your student loans, did they uh, sit you down in a room and and tell you this will never, ever be forgiven? Did you have to go to a class? Um, I I didn't have to go to a class, but I did have to um, sign paperwork understanding yeah. that I was responsible for it. Um, I did go to I did go to a class about like I think it was it, it was a finance I want to say it was a loan but because I had dropped a class, I didn't do it properly and so then they made me go to this class or I could never get a loan again. Oh yeah. So they wanted to you know that kind of a thing. But as I originally no it was paperwork to sign just like you would for any type of loan that's bigger um, especially with the government like maybe a mortgage or something like that. So I never thought it was going to be forgiven but it seemed like it'd be about 15 years to pay it off. It's a very low interest, maybe 4%. I, I got the fixed rate one. I did not go for the one where it's variable. Uh, I, I was going to ask you that because the variable one will kill you eventually. I had the variable one back in the day. Oh, okay. No, oh. I just got the one that was the fixed. Yeah. I always get those mixed up, which one's which. So anyway, yeah. I guess that would that's a different story. But I still, other than like some health catastrophe, I just don't see where where this is coming from with people. I just got out of a Nordstrom rack right now. I was talking to some um buddy there and I don't know why we're talking about loans but I but I said something about that and he goes oh Biden and then he puts Biden's helping and he puts his thumbs up and I go no and he goes no and I go no because you'll have to pay for my loan if I don't pay for it and then it's like monopoly money and he goes oh so I don't know if he was just like pretending not to know but he seemed genuinely like he did not know well I think that's what um I think that's that's ultimately the point I'm making here is how well do we understand this it's one thing if you're giving me a bunch of money. It's another thing if it's going to cost me somewhere else and you're not really giving me anything. Uh, Kathy, uh, thank you very much for your call. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. I think that's interesting that she's having that conversation in a Nordstrom rack with an employee, I guess, or maybe just somebody else there. And this is, if I can bring this back, one of the reasons we talk about these kinds of things on this program is because in regular life, we do have these conversations with people. She's having this conversation with a stranger in a Nordstrom rack. Uh, do you talk to strangers when you go to uh, stores? Oh my gosh, I have, I'll have to maybe share it another. I was at Costco yesterday and overheard the craziest conversations. It must have been the heat, but uh, man, there was a guy shouting at the guy selling sol- solar, and uh, it's crazy. We get in these conversations, and I think it matters a lot that 
especially when we're in these conversations with people we know or people who know us, whether we know them real well or not, but people we work with or go to school with, people that we interact with on a regular basis, that we have a pretty good understanding. And actually, this, this poll suggests this, that if, if it's just wiping out the debt, right, if, there is no, if there's no cost, if it really is just free, if you really could just say, okay, you don't owe it anymore, yeah, I suppose most people would support it. That's what it is. It's just that that's not real. And uh, she said 88%. It's 88% of people currently repaying uh, the loans. 88% of Democrats support it, but they don't support it if there's other costs. Um, and that, I think, is what is really crucial to understand with this. Getting back to our faith, and when we come back, we'll we'll deal with this just a little bit more. In our faith, when you ask somebody, are they a Christian? How do you become a Christian? What are some questions that would help find out whether or not that person really knows what it means to be a Christian? A concern that I have is that sometimes in church we're we just take people's word for it, which on one hand is kind of fine, but what happens when it turns out they don't really believe that Jesus is the Savior, or they don't think it really matters very much? What happens when you find out that somebody who says they're a Christian and you put them in a leadership role or they're in a place where they're sharing their faith, and you find out that they, for example, uh, think that every faith will get you to heaven one way or the other? Or they bring in groups that call themselves Christian but are, are not, that believe something different about Jesus Christ. What questions are appropriate for us to really help people grow their faith and really make sure that we know who the Lord is? This matters. As, as people who are representatives of Christ, we need to represent the real Christ, not just one we make up in our head and not one where we just think there is um, nothing deeper than just something very surfacy. I got to take a break. This is Southern California, Southern California Live. When we get back, we'll take your calls. The number is 888-528-2557. You can call now. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm Scott Furrow. I will return as the Tuesday edition of SoCal Live continues. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. How do you know if you are truly a Christian, truly saved? How do you really know? I mean, how do you know? You can call and, and share 888-528-2557. And I think it matters a lot. I think that you know when we've seen all of these stories in uh, these surveys come out every year now talking about the they'll usually frame it in the context of the decline of Christianity or even after the COVID 30%, 20 to 30%, depending on your survey of people have left church. They're not coming back and maybe they'll never come back. I think some will come back, but people got out of the habit or they, or what I think happened a lot is that people said, you know what, maybe I don't really believe this. Some people would say, and I tend to agree with this, that the pandemic moved a lot of things ahead, maybe five years from where they would have been. Meaning that if, if you changed your career or you made a big life change or you decided to stop going to church or maybe you decided to start going to church, it's possible that all of that was going to happen anyway within about five years, just that the the pandemic just brought everything to a halt, caused people to be very introspective, and then they did things that they were already going to do. From technology, it, it probably moved the technology needle ahead, you know, five or six years. At your church, for example, 
before the pandemic, how many churches had their services live on the internet or on, uh, you know, smart TVs, other places? Um, you know, some, but not like most of them. I mean, most churches are at least uploading a video of the service now if they aren't doing it live. It's very easy to do it live. And people had to move very, very quickly during that period of time. And, and we probably were headed there anyway. How many of you had used Zoom before the pandemic? I think maybe once I had used it, um, but it wasn't really a thing. Suddenly it was like every day I was on Zoom. Some of you are still on Zoom every day. What does it really mean to be saved? Let me give you one here, just something to think about. And what concerns me is somebody who's been in ministry, a pastor for 25 years. I talk to people every day about faith on the radio, outside of the radio when people talk to me. I grew up in a pastor's home, so I've always been around church. All right, I've always been around the the church culture, as it were, uh, and the church culture here in Southern California. I've always lived in Southern California. You know, you you discover that lots of people ultimately go to church for different reasons. And some people think that the re, that going to church and doing the routine of things is what makes them a Christian. And then other people think it's a lot more than that. So when you ask the question, what is a Christian? Am I a Christian? Are you a Christian? These polls will say. And 65%-ish of people say, 63% now say, yes, I'm a Christian. Um, 78% in 2007 said that. It's only 63 now. Um, the number of people who say they, had no, they have no religion, not, not atheists or agnostic, but really they're just nothing in particular or they're atheist or agnostic, is 29%. And that was only 16% in 2007. So that's gone up a lot. I would contend that the numbers haven't really changed in reality that much that actually there were that many people going to church who were going because of the routine or because of the social aspect of it. I mean, let's face it. If you are, if you are a part of church and you need to be a part of church, there's some great parts of churches, right? There, you, you can go there and you will build through church, through the community that you have, the best relationships you will ever have in your life. And you might have had a bad experience with people. You know, you might have made some friends and then they turned out to be enemies for some reason, right? There's, there's people who aren't going to church because of church people they ran into. And I would just encourage you to remember that that's church people, not Jesus. That we're, churches are full of people who sin. And, you know, everybody's fallen, okay? Even if they're trying to grow in their faith or even if they're saved and the Lord's working on them, okay? There's, there's problems that happen. Uh, don't be turned off of Jesus just because you're turned off of a uh, somebody who claims to be a Jesus follower. Um, but most of the time, if you get yourself settled in church, that's where you're going to meet your friends, the best friends for life. That's where you're going to have an opportunity to minister to other people. That's where in time you're going to find ways to serve. You're going to learn a lot about yourself. It's great. You have great church events. You have great – we had we had donuts Sunday at our church. Some churches have uh, donuts all the time. We had it. You know, once, you know, I would say you should probably have donuts all the time because I think Jesus would do that. Uh, but not really, not really. Don't, don't, somebody's going to call and say, what's the chapter and verse? I'll find one. But, uh, you know, that was an enjoyable day for me and my kids. And then at the end of church, me, me playing goalie with the donuts, keeping my kids away from it because they wanted like three and four donuts. I'm like, no, no, you got to make sure that everybody gets one, you know, get out of here. And um, you have to, there's great things. Potlucks, great thing about church. Does your church do potlucks? They're kind of making a resurgence, I think, a little bit now. And um, 
you know, they can be fantastic. And having meals with people, all of that's good. You might have a good, uh, lots of different things with church. But going doesn't make you saved. Participation is something you should do, but it's not what makes you saved. And people are dropping off. What makes you saved? How do you know that you know the Lord? Let me give you this story. I had a guy, random guy, come in my office. And random guy um, owned a dance studio. And he said, he tells me the story about how he got saved. Now, this is an unusual story. Most of the time, people get saved because they hear the gospel from somebody they know. Somebody brings them to church. Somebody shares the gospel with them. Somebody that they, the parent, a grandparent, a sibling, a friend, somebody in their relational world actually uh, shares the gospel with them. They get saved. Maybe you bring your friend to the Harvest Crusade or something. And, you know, but there's a process that's relational. It's most people. This guy on his own, this happened. Uh, you're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. 888-528-2557. So this guy comes in my office and he's telling me that he accepted Jesus into his life. He says he got saved. And the story he tells, he says, a guy in a bicycle, random guy in a bicycle comes into a random dance studio. It's not random at all because I think the Holy Spirit's part of this, but comes in and it says, hey, is it all right if I use your restroom? He says, sure, no problem. Guy uses the restroom. He comes out and the guy drops the guy on the bicycle comes out and he drops the old uh, evangelism explosion question, if you know what that is. You know, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would end up? And asks him this. He says, no. The, the owner of the dance studio says, no. Well, the guy on the bicycle then proceeds to share the gospel with him and says, do you believe that? He says, yeah, you know what? I do. And then the guy on the bicycle leaves. So now you have a guy who just has this experience with a random stranger who came in to use his restroom, who shared the gospel with him. He believed what he heard and he believes now that he's saved. He doesn't know what to do from here on out. So that the you know, a problem is, is that there was no invite to church. There wasn't, hey, why don't you come to church with me on Sunday? There wasn't, uh, hey, want to get some coffee? I'll answer your questions. Or here's a Bible. Can I have your address? There was no follow-up. So, uh, you know, a a good evangelistic presentation, you get an A, bicycle guy, you get an F on the whole follow-up thing. Totally failed at that. The the discipleship part of it, uh, which is a part of it, right? We're told to make disciples, not just converts. Converts is part of it, okay? But you, you, you should stick with people or hand them off someplace where somebody will. Anyway, this guy was on his own. And that often, I think, doesn't work too well. But the amazing thing is that this guy came to my office and he wanted to get baptized. And this is where I thought in hearing this story, well, I think this guy's really saved, because he can say the right things. He understood that Jesus died for his sins and that if you believe in him, you'll have eternal life and that you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus is saved, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Now, he knew a lot of scripture and stuff, but he wanted to get baptized. And he and I said, why do you want to get baptized? And he said, you know, I feel like that's what I should be doing right now. I feel like that's what God wants me to do. Now, he didn't have a lot of doctrine or theology around that. He just had this incredible sense that he needed to be baptized, which I thought was great because when you accept Jesus, that should be your sense. The Bible, people baptize you pretty quick. Uh, They didn't make you go to, you know, Christianity 101, 201, 301. Uh, I think they made sure that you had uh, a testimony of faith, that you committed your life to Jesus Christ, right? That you confessed him as your savior, those kinds of things. But then they dunked you. 
Uh, they put you in. Uh, I know some of you sprinkle and some of you, you know, if you were, whatever they did, wherever you were in the middle of the desert, that's what they did. Okay. Let's not have that argument right now. But baptism is there. So I thought that was a, an amazing thing. And uh, sure enough, we, we baptized him. But then the most amazing thing is I said, well, how did you get this understanding of the faith? If this guy just, you, and he had no idea. He had no Christian background at all. It wasn't like he recalled his youth group days and uh, remembered, oh, yeah, I heard all that before. He'd never heard it. It's a great story. He goes on to YouTube, he tells me, and he finds pastors and he started listening to sermons. And I thought, there's so much garbage and bad stuff on YouTube, bad sermons and bad doctrine. The Lord was with him and guided him to some really great pastors, some of the guys that you hear right here on this station. And he said, I think I need to get baptized. He did. And then he joined the church and, and we discipled him and he started to learn more. He was just eager for it. Can I ask you this question? Are you eager to learn more about the Lord? When you think of yourself as a Christian, is it more of a statement of like political party or a Democrat or you're Republican or you're independent, you've made a choice and you kind of hang your hat on it. Do you know what it means? Do you, do you seek the kingdom of God in your life? Do you seek to grow when you, do you pray at all? And if you do when that prayer, do you, do you get convicted about sins in your life you should repent of? Or do you feel like that doesn't matter? You know, I think a lot of, of being a Christian, I think a, a big part of it is that the Holy Spirit really is going to work on you. Ask yourself this question, am I growing in my faith, or do I even know? Um, I'm not saying you're a Christian or you're not, if you're not sure about the answer to that question, but I would say, you know what, explore that. Because if you don't know if you're growing or not, that's a problem. Um, and maybe you're saying, no, I'm, uh, I'm backsliding, or I'm going, okay, well then you know that. Maybe that's the Lord talking to you that way too. Great. But if you're sort of indifferent about it, if you don't really care, to know the Word of God better. You don't really care whether or not somebody else gets saved. You don't really care if you're growing or not. I would say that's a big warning sign. You know, to me as a, a pastor, there are some super nice people who seem to be pretty moral, who, you know, have an understanding of the Bible, but it doesn't seem like it really fit their lives. And if you ask them, are you growing? And they, they sort of give you an answer like, no, I grabbed the brass ring. That's bad. And I've known some people that are just loaded with sin and darkness and they're in tears and crying out to God. You know, that person I feel like is, is being drawn to the Lord. That person is, you know, it's up to the Lord whether or not a person's saved, but a person who is bringing themselves to Christ who is, or Christ is bringing him to them wherever they're at. I think that's great. And it's good news, which is what the gospel is. It's good news for you. Uh, you're saved not because you earned it, but because Jesus took care of everything on the cross, because Jesus is going to draw you to him. Jesus is going to bring you in the family, and that's what we do. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, you can email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I will return as the Tuesday edition of SoCal Live continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. It is Tuesday, and 
I'm selling you that because it feels like Monday. Every time there's a three-day weekend, we get the Monday off. The Tuesday is really the whole rest of the week gets weird for me, right? It's hard. You know, before the break, I was just trying to say I'll be back as the Monday edition continues. It's Tuesday. It is uh, already in the week. You know, what's hard about that is if you have the type of job that isn't just you get your work done for that day and then, um, you know, you just start over the next day. A lot of people's jobs is you have a week's worth of work, right, Monday through Friday or, you know, Sunday through Thursday, however your schedule is. You have a week's worth of work, and the day off is nice, but if it doesn't reduce the amount of work, then all of a sudden you only have four days to do five days of work. Are you in that situation today? Uh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, that happens for sure, especially after uh, three-day weekends. This is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. You know, when we do these topics of our faith and what it means, behind all of it is something that's just deeply relational. That I told the story about the guy who got saved because some uh, random person came and shared the gospel with him and then took off and he happened, this, this guy who got saved happened to get the right pastors to find on YouTube who helped him grow in his faith. That's not the way to do it. Sharing the faith. Some people have the gift of evangelism. The guy on the bicycle, I think, would have that gift. Uh, but we have to make disciples. And this takes asking some questions. This takes building relationships. It is not disciple-making, to simply make sure that people show up to church or do the routines of church. And I think that disciple-making is the duty of every believer. And if you're saying, oh, I don't know if I can do that. You know, Jesus sends people that don't know anything to tell their friends and neighbors about Jesus, about himself. He says to the man who he heals, in the gospel of Mark, who wants to go with him, a guy who is demon possessed and God heals him. And the guy says, I want to go with you wherever you go. And Jesus says, no, I want you to go back and tell your people what the Lord has done for you. And I think it's always an interesting passage to me because this guy doesn't know anything necessarily. And, you know, maybe he does. He probably had some upbringing in uh, and understood his, his, what we would call the Old Testament. Um, And, you know, there's probably a, a basis there for this guy, but he ends up going and telling his own people. And he ends up not just doing that, but then sharing his story about being healed by God in the Decapolis, 10 cities. He becomes a missionary. And I think that you should not sell yourself short about your ability to tell other people what the Lord has done for you in your life. He doesn't say go and take a speech class. Jesus doesn't say go and, you know, make sure that you're articulate enough to do it. He doesn't say go to all the different courses. You should grow in your faith, but we have to be careful. We have to be careful to not disciple people in such a way that they lose their ability to relate with people who aren't Christians. You know who some of the best people are at sharing their faith is people who are brand new Christians. And it's people who don't know a lot necessarily, but their life has changed. And most of their family or friends are people who are not Christians who are looking at him going, what happened to you? And they don't have a big book of doctrine to share, but they can say, you know what? I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I gave my life to Jesus Christ and he's my savior. He died for my sins. And suddenly I have a new freedom to do things that's right. Suddenly I have a new motivation for life. Suddenly I realize that, you know, the 
spiritual angst that every person have is not up to me. It was taken care of on the cross. You know, some different, you have an ability to share some different things. And something that we do sometimes in the church is that we end up having no people in our life who don't know Jesus anymore. So when we talk about discipleship, you can help other Christians grow and that's good. And you should always, you know, pour out your cup, whatever the Lord's given you, you know, give it to somebody else. It's not your responsibility that they fill their cup, but you should pour yours out. And you can do that with other Christians. That's good. But let me ask you this. If you're a Christian and you go to church, do you have any non-Christian friends, like really friends, that you would go to a movie with? $3 movie night or was Saturday. Did you go to one of those? We went to one of those. We saw a movie we'd already seen that was kind of safe for the kids, and we just got out of the heat for a little bit. That was cool. Do you have non-Christian friends that you know well enough to have a conversation with, to just go have an enjoyable time with? Sometimes what happens is we put ourselves in a bubble, don't we? We put ourselves in a in a bubble that all of a sudden the only people we know are Christians. And so the pastor gets up on Sunday and says, you need to tell your friends about Jesus. And you're like, all my friends are sitting next to me. What do you mean? I don't know anybody who doesn't know Jesus. The truth is that you probably do. You know, probably you work with people who don't know Jesus. Probably you you hang out someplace with people who don't know Jesus. And if you're thinking, well, I don't have anything to say, I don't really have, you know, testimony. Yes, you do. You've got a reason for the hope that you have. And look at how dark this world is out there. Look at how, how, I don't know, the, the things that people are accusing each other of. I mean, both sides, right, left and right over the weekend, you know, everybody's a, you know, bad person. The other side is bad and they're destroying democracy and all of this. And all of that is bad that that's being said, that we're moving farther and farther apart, that we're be- becoming hyper-partisans, and all that has bad effect. And the, the violence, the increase in crime, our inability to control and deal with uh, homelessness, our inability to, it seems like, make some progress on some big issues, all of that gets pretty depressing. All of that gets pretty sad. And all the fear out there, oh my gosh, all of the uh, the fear that is going on with still the different things with COVID. It's not that it, it's not something you should be concerned about. You should be, but the, the overwhelming bit of fear that we're loaded with in the news. I mean, for weeks, the fear of the Russians or the Ukrainians bombing a nuclear plant. Yeah, that's a serious issue uh, that will affect the planet uh, if they blow that thing up. Yeah. Okay. But so what? I mean, it's not so what for the course of human history, but for, for those of us who know Jesus, you have a reason to hope even if terrible things happen. What happens if we can't fix this pipe that's coming into Los Angeles and this 15-day watering ban goes into effect today and it turns into a, you know, kind of like two weeks to flatten the curve and then suddenly we got two years without any water because we can't fix the pipes or we have too many infrastructure problems? That's going to be bad. Um, more than just for your lawns. That's going to affect a whole lot of life. You know, our hope is not that the infrastructure works. Our hope is that Jesus is returning or that we're going to meet Jesus whenever we die. Jesus might return in our lifetime, but either way, you're going to meet Jesus sometime in the next uh, few decades or a few years, a few minutes, some of you. And that's where your hope is. And you know what the answer is? You know, I was blind and now I see. Well, how'd that happen? Well, I don't know, but I met Jesus and I was blind, but now I see. That's what happens in scripture. 
that's what happens. And yes, we should make disciples. And yes, there are great preachers and great teachers, and those are gifts. And we should practice those gifts and build up the church. But the reason we build up the church is not so that we have just a Sunday with more people there, but so that we're reaching out to people who don't know Jesus. Do you know people? Are there people in your relational world who don't know Jesus? Do you pray for them every day? That's what you should be praying about in your prayer list. You want to pray that people stay well, and you want to pray that, uh, you know, people aren't getting sick by the COVID or by the heat or these other things. And you want to pray that, you know, Tommy's test comes back, you know, good and that people are, are getting healthy and whatever you want to pray for when you're praying for each other. But do you pray? for the salvation of the people in your life who don't know Jesus. I think that, you know, look at your church prayer list. How many people on there are people who need to know Christ? Sometimes it's zero. Sometimes it's one or two. In your own life, if you want to get into the adventure that Jesus has called you to, I promise you that he's put people somewhere in your relational world that don't know Jesus who need you to pray for them. At least do that. Pray for them and then love them. Ask, you know, do this. Ask God. God, use me in their life to let them know who Jesus is. Maybe it's not going to be with words. Maybe you're just going to have an opportunity to serve them if they get sick or they have a crisis in their life or they just need a friend. See, you can do that in the name of Christ. In the meantime, you go to church. In the meantime, you study your Bible. In the meantime, you grow in your faith, not for your own benefit, although it will benefit you tremendously, but for that person you're praying for is benefit. See, that way you're prepared to answer their question if the day ever comes when they ask it. Why do you go to church? Why, do you, why are you a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? I went to camp when I was in high school and I accepted Jesus, and uh, so I'm a Christian. Your next question should be, okay, well, what have you done since then? Have you been in church since then? Are you, you following Jesus since then? Do you know anything? Oh, well, then maybe you should say, hey, it's time to grow. Maybe they said something at camp and they were caught up in the emotion of it and it, it wasn't real. Or maybe it was, but they've been fighting the, the, the need to repent and grow. You might just be there to smile and to kindly nudge them in the direction of Christ simply by your own love for them, your own care. Do you make disciples? That's what we're about. All right, you're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. When we get back, I want to talk about uh, not, in, not in my backyard issues. Uh, and um, a politician said that it is unchristian for the governor of Texas to be sending migrants uh, to her city. And I thought, you know, I want to ask that question. What is the Christian response? When some politician says that, I like to get into that. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back for hour two as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay-